1: Vehicles projected resale value is specific to the 2024 model year. For more information, visit Kelley Blue Books KBB.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Toyota, let's go places.
2: Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash audio. Visit IXL.com slash audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hello, and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for
1: how to make your life happier. This week we'll talk about why you should schedule time to worry, and about all the excuses we make for ourselves when trying to stick to good habits. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and special treat! Right here in the studio with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft.
3: That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a
1: TV writer and producer living in L.A. But yeah, Gretsch, I'm in New York doing a pilot. Oh, it's so exciting and so glamorous. Here you are, you're shooting a pilot in New York City. But ironically, I hardly get to see you because you're working so hard.
3: I know, this is the first time we've seen each <laughs> other
1: since I arrived several days ago. Now, you've shot pilots in, what, in, in Budapest? Yeah, in Vancouver. Vancouver. Uh, L.A., San
3: Francisco. Um, This is the first one we've done in New York. And it's so awesome. And this time, this isn't a pilot Sarah and I wrote. Uh, Somebody else wrote it. Um, Her name's Helen Childress. Mm. And she wrote Reality Bites, which is like the defining movie of the Gen X generation, (laughs) my generation. Um, And so it's super exciting to be working with her. Um, And Sarah and I are just there as showrunners, producers. We're just uh, helping Helen... Execute her vision for this pilot. So, um, getting to work with somebody who I really admire is super fun. And I absolutely love being back in New York. Yeah. Of course, I miss Jack, and being away from him is hard. But, you know, I lived in New York for nine years. Mm-hmm. And every time I'm here, I'm just like, why don't I live in New York? <laughs>
1: No, I mean, on our way to the studio, you text me and you're like, oh, I just went by my old apartment. And uh, yeah, it's fun to be back in, in New York. it's. I mean, in terms of also like an easy place to be away from home, it's an easy place because there's, you can just get anything 24 hours if you feel like you need something or you want a very specific you love deli coffee yes and so you can get deli coffee literally every 50 feet oh and
3: i'm believing i'm <laughs> indulging in that i like i love my deli coffee
1: um well is this fun for me to just even know that you're in new york city even if i don't get to see you i just like we're in the same time zone
3: yes and you can visit me on set
1: yes oh i can't wait for that well, in less exciting news, I will say that I did get a duvet cover. You did? Yes, yes. And how did you go by yourself, or did you guys go together? Matt, well, what? you suggested that I take Eleanor with me, but Jamie outfoxed me, and uh, he lured me uh, into doing it by saying, "Like, oh, oh, let's go to this diner for brunch on Sunday, which is a diner we often go to. And he's like, and I was like, okay. And he said, oh, and then on our way home, let's go to this linen store because it's just two blocks ah. uh, more further. Um, so he kind of got me to agree to go halfway there. And then even I was like, okay, it makes sense for us to make the swap. And of course, it took 10 minutes when we actually got into the right. store. It was no big deal. Um, and I had been, you know, resisting this for like six weeks. So Yeah, I should yes.
3: remind everyone, this is the great duvet cover <laughs> gate where Jamie... <laughs> Went out and got a duvet cover without consulting you, even though you really didn't want to go get one. And it was all wrong. And, and so yeah. now it's been sitting in a bag yeah. in the corner for months. So uh,
1: I will I will post a picture of our bed and all of it's <laughs> awesome.
3: Yeah, I can't wait to see it. When I'm over, I have to make yeah, sure yes, I I'll check look. it out.
1: Yes, when you get, come by. Um, but, so this week, Elizabeth, our Try This at Home tip is schedule time to worry.
3: Oh, I love that. I worry a
1: lot. Yeah, well, this is a strategy to help with worry. So in Better Than Before, um, when I write about the strategies that we can use to make or break habits, I talk about the power of scheduling, that you're much more likely to do something if, if it's on the schedule. But you can also use scheduling kind of in the reverse. So instead of making sure that you give time to something, you can use scheduling to limit the time you spend on something if you feel like you're doing it too much.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great thing for people who worry too much.
1: Well, it's like I know a guy who decided that he was going to have fast food twice a week. Uh-huh. And it's like, well, that sounds like a lot, but actually, it meant he was having fast food like five times a week. So by scheduling it twice a week, he was able to limit it. And this is a strategy for managing anxiety. And so instead of saying like, well, I'm just going to worry whenever I feel like worrying, which might be... Anytime you have a moment. yeah, (laughs) Anytime you have like a moment free. Um, You say, okay, no, I'm going to worry about this. I have my half an hour every day where I just think about all the things that I need to worry about. And so then you free up all the time to be worry free, but you know, you're still going to have that time. It seems like
3: the, um, the shower might be a good, like I'm going to worry when I'm in the shower and like only when I'm in the shower, that could be,
1: that could be good. Sometimes I think it's helpful when you're worrying to write things down. Oh. Like I often find that to be helpful. So again, like it might be whatever, or, or, or in the car, but think about what your patterns are when you're trying, when you worry. I had a friend in college who would only let herself daydream about her crush for 15 minutes oh, a day. Oh, that's good. Because she was like, otherwise, I'd just spend all my time thinking about this guy I've got a crush on. So, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I
3: I am definitely a worrier. I'm i I'm of the school like if I worry about something happening, it won't happen. Yeah. So I feel obligated to <laughs> worry because I feel like if I don't worry, it's a hundred percent going to happen. And I know that's obviously crazy and illogical and also just unhealthy. Like worrying, I think, you know, is related to stress and that's related to all sorts of health issues. So you really should try to limit your worrying
1: just for your health. You do have this sort of superstitious feeling that you need to worry. So this way you wouldn't if you tried to not worry at all, that might be unsustainable. But if you're like, I'm just going to worry this limited amount, that feels like something that you could do. Yeah, uh,
3: I should definitely do this. Well, and
1: I said I've scheduled time to worry, like, if I'm worried about something that's too far in the future, like, I remember one time I had to write this piece for a newspaper and for whatever reason it was making me very anxious, but it was very far in the future. And I was like, you know what, I'm not going to start to worry about this until the first of the month. Mm. And I knew that because I would then start to worry about it, I was like, okay, but I don't have to worry about it yet because it's not ripe for being a subject of worry. So then again, I freed up my mental space until I got to that point. And then it was time to write it. So I worried about it, but then I was actually working on it. So it was constructive, whereas just worrying about it before I was ready to work on it was just a big waste of time.
3: Yeah, I find myself, and we've talked about this before, I'll worry about things that Uh, not like something big like getting cancer, but just like, oh, if I get this job, how am I going to schedule my dentist appointment? (laughs) And it's just like, I really should just wait until it comes to pass. Like I will wake up in the middle of the night and be thinking about, well, if I go to the dentist, I should should go to a 9 a.m. appointment or should I try to go at four and leave early, but I don't know what's going to be going on. I'll spend so much time. So Um, yeah. So yeah, I like the idea of not only scheduling it, but also like you said, not like putting the date to start worrying about it when it's closer to the actual event.
1: Right. Well, this is a really actually useful idea from law because in law they talk about whether an issue is ripe. It means like, Uh is it ready to be decided by the courts? Because sometimes things just aren't ripe, which means that it's too early to intervene. And so for you, it's like, the issue with the dentist appointment is just not ripe for worry yet. You need to wait until it's like on, actually on your plate. Yeah.
3: Although I can announce now that I'm doing this, it is ripe. And I actually, <laughs> when I was brushing my teeth this morning, I was worrying about the fact that I knew I have a voicemail from my dentist saying I need to make an appointment.
1: Well, a voicemail?
3: Yeah, they actually called I assume that's what they're saying. I don't. I didn't listen to the
1: voicemail because
3: it's too anxiety producing. Who, who does listen to voicemail? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I was reminded of this because um, in the New in the New York Times a while back, and I, I they posted a photograph of Johnny Cash's handwritten to do list, and oh. I love that kind of uh, ephemera. Um, and I'll post it on my site, which is happiercast.com/slash/fifty six if you're looking for it. Um, and it was it was like one of those those sheets that you get, you know, those pads that you get. that's like, things to do today! Yeah. Exclamation point. And he wrote down, not smoke, hmm. kiss June, hmm. not kiss anyone else, hmm. cough, pee, eat, not eat too much, worry, hmm. go see mama, practice piano. And I thought, there he wow. is, Johnny Cash on his to-do list is worry. That's awesome. It also sounds like the makings of a song. Doesn't it? <laughs> no, um, and one last thing that this where this occurred to me was um, in episode fifty five we talked about whether you like to discuss long or discuss short, yeah. and I like to discuss long, and Eliza and Ellen, and Jamie don't like they like to discuss short. Well, somebody in a parent meeting suggest, said that she had the same tension with her family, and so they schedule time to make decisions related to the college process. So. Her son didn't feel like she was chasing him around the house all the time, asking him to like weigh in on these things. And she knew she had an opportunity to get her questions answered because they designated a specific time. And so then nobody had to worry about it because it's like it will all get done Sunday afternoon at four o'clock, which is the the special time set aside for this. And I thought that was a brilliant solution because then you don't worry about, oh, tracking her down, sending her texts. Like, what are we going to do? You're like, okay at this time, everything is going to get moved forward.
3: I love that. That's yeah. a great idea. You should do that in your family.
1: Oh, you know, oh no, I've, I've, I've thought about that. I need to, like, I'm scared even to broach with Eliza yeah. the <laughs> idea that we're going to dedicate time to it, but yeah. it's, 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 it's a good idea. <laughs> so let us know. Um, are you managing not to lie awake all night, worrying about your dentist appointment, <laughs> or, um, are you know, is setting aside time to worry helping? Um, let us know on Twitter, Facebook, email, podcast at GretchenRubin.com, or as always, go to happiercast.com slash 56 for images, links, uh, anything related to this episode, episode 56. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years, StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash happier. That's storyworth.com slash happier to save $10 on your first purchase. So, in Better than before. I talk about the 21 strategies we can use to make or break our habits, and we've talked about loopholes before, yes. um, many uh, times. Yeah, different uh, contexts. Different contexts. But the thing about loopholes—they are so funny. They, <laughs> <laughs> I love setting loopholes, um, and they're so pervasive that, like, we thought we should talk about them again, sort of as a set. As like, what are the loophole? What are the ten categories of loopholes that we can all fall into? Um, most of us have a couple favorites, but um, they're all—you uh, hear all of them all the time. Um, and the fact is, if you recognize that something is a loophole, I think, at least for me, it's definitely true that it's easier to not invoke that loophole, not to let yourself off the hook so easily because you see that it is a loophole. Because the thing about the loopholes, they come so naturally and they're right. kind of running subconsciously, you don't even realize it.
3: Yeah. I mean, I know for me, the problem is I want to invoke the loophole. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. know?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. So- no, I was once talking to somebody, and she—I was counting in my head, and in one like breath, she went through five loopholes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, they so we want them. Yeah, when we get when we're going to talk
3: about the this doesn't count loophole, I I think, well, I don't know. I have I have a one I can tell you about that I'm invoking <laughs> right now. <laughs>
1: Okay. Well, let's get through all 10 because they're okay, all yeah. fabulous. Okay. So the fr- false choice loophole is my personal favorite loophole, which is why I listed first, which is, I can't do this because I'm busy doing that. I can't go to the dentist because I'm so busy writing. Right. It's like, uh, or, is that really the choice? Or um, I can never eat healthily because I'm working so hard. And right. so it's like, are those two things really in opposition? Then moral licensing loophole. That's, I've been so good at meditating, at eating right, at going to bed on time, it's okay for me to do the opposite. Definitely I I can already tell that
3: I'm going to use every single one of these. Oh, I mean, they're all so popular. Check
1: check. Okay, go <laughs> ahead. Tomorrow loophole is it's okay to skip today because I'm going to do this tomorrow, um, and I often will say to myself things like, "Well." It's okay I'm not doing this now because like in the summer things are going to open up and it'll be easier. Or, or once we get back into the swing of things, um, it's going to be, it'll be easier for me to do it. So it's thinking that tomorrow everything's going to be easier than it is today. Uh, lack of control loophole. That's, I can't help myself because. I just can't. I can't. Um, who could, po- you know, oh, the evil donut bringer brought in donuts. Who can resist? I can't possibly resist these donuts. So I have to eat them. Planning to fail loophole. Now, this is a little more subtle. This is when we we will carefully orchestrate huh. circumstances so that um, we we then can't be expected to keep up with it. So it's like, you know, um, like a friend of mine who is like, oh, well, I, when I go to this one coffee shop, I have to have their muffins because their muffins are so amazing. Right. And I'm like, well, you're Don't right. Don't go to that coffee like, yeah. shop. Yeah. I'm like <laughs> you, you live in New York City. How many coffee shops are there? Right. Infinite. And she's like, oh, but that's my favorite coffee shop. I was like, why is it your favorite? Yeah. Because you get to eat the muffin, you <laughs> yeah. get to eat the muffin. So she's carefully going out of her way to go to this one. Yeah. That's funny. This doesn't count loophole. You know, I'm on vacation. I'm sick. It's the weekend.
3: Yeah, and that's the one right now. I'm just as soon as I thought about this, realized I'm invoking because so I'm staying in a hotel in New York during this pilot, yeah. and I definitely have the snacks don't count in a hotel. We talked uh, about that. when oh. we were in San Francisco. Yes. <clears throat> so like the management. I had this whole thing about the housekeeping issue I won't go into, but (laughs) I came home last night and there was like a whole gift basket of (sighs) treats from Dean and DeLuca. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, normally, of course, that would like infuriate me because I'd be like, evil donut bringer. Why are they doing this? But I was like, oh, I can indulge in all this because I'm in a hotel. (sighs) So anyway, it's a loophole. And I was thinking I should take all this to work. I should give it away. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But um, we'll see. I'll try to do that.
1: Yeah. I mean, this doesn't count. Is is it, they're all popular, but that's a really popular. it's the holidays. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's a million. It's my birthday. There's a million reasons why this doesn't count. Questionable assumption loophole. Like, well, yeah, I've been gaining weight, but it's because I've been going to the gym and it's all muscle. Or <laughs> oh, you know, the label says it's healthy. It's like, eh, let's let's look yeah. a little bit closer at that. Um, The concern for others loophole. And this is, I can't do this because it might make other people uncomfortable. Now, I have to say about this loophole, as an upholder and a person who, when I took a test for like what my level of consideration for other people is, (laughs) scored low for a woman. I was average for a man below for a woman. Um, And Alyssa, I think you can say that I'm... You do what you want to do. Kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's a nice way to put it. Um, And and so I really thought that other people were invoking this loophole just willy nilly. I have to add this because I'm at a party. I can't. How can I not have a drink if I'm at a business lunch or or business dinner or whatever? But I really have come to believe that people really do feel a much higher level of concern for how they're, they're behavior is going to affect other people than I do. And that I shouldn't necessarily pride myself on that. Um, And that it is a serious, I'm not saying it's not a loophole, because it is a loophole. But I think that it's something that people weigh very seriously and it's a serious consideration. So you have to recognize where's where am I using this as a loophole and where am I acting out of consideration for other people?
3: Well, yeah, because like, for instance, in some cultures, I mean, it is the height of rudeness. Like yeah. if someone offers you a drink not to have it, yeah, you know, or yeah, offers right. you dessert not to have it. It's like actually yes. an insult yes. and you're, you know. Right. So, I mean, I and I think that it is true that these things matter in terms of sort of um social politics yeah like no not if you're with your best friends right but i it is hard if you're a you know a business lunch to be like oh well i'm not gonna eat i had my yeah, jimmy yeah, yeah. craig before <laughs> go ahead everyone you know yeah, no, i mean it really like, is awkward it puts you out of step yeah
1: um well so I so I think that's a that's a tricky loophole because I think you're right and I and I have been trying to teach myself yeah, that maybe you need to <laughs> that loophole, I know, yeah, I think I think that I do because I definitely am the kind of person who's like, um it, it doesn't bother me in many situations to be out of step with others, and I think it should bother <laughs> me more. <laughs> I do, too. Um, fake self-actualization loophole. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so this is the loophole where you say to yourself, like, oh, you only live once, or I want to accept myself just as I am, or um, life's too short not to eat a brownie, or, you know, you got to embrace the moment. And, and, and it's true that sometimes we want to uh, break our good habits in order to, like, really enjoy a situation but what I would say is for that, you want to plan ahead oh. and really anticipate and have like, oh, on Saturday, we're going to have this really super special dinner. And so therefore I'm going to have a dessert, not like, but the problem is fake self-actualization. People often invoke kind of at the last minute in the moment when they're like right. grasping at straws. How can right. I, how can I make this, how can I make this cool with myself? Oh, I forgot. You only live once. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it also has kind of this patina of self-actualization. Right. That somehow it's kind of transcendent or it's, it's, it's like it's higher level. But the, but the test is, how do you feel about it later?
3: Ah, yes. Usually not good.
1: Yeah, because if you're like, oh, I really look back on that with pleasure, and I'm glad that I did what I did, that's one thing. But if you're like, oh, man, why did I do that? Like, you know, evil donut bringer brought in the donuts. yeah, And I had one. Oh, you only live once. But do I feel good about that donut now? Yeah. Not yep, so much. Yep, yep. Okay. And so then the last one, um, and there, all these are popular. This strategy, I mean, this this loophole is like the universal loophole that will cover all habits. So it's very, very dangerous. And it's absolutely true. This is a good build-up. In fact, we talked about it in episode one um, of the podcast because I just am so fascinated by it. I think it's so hilarious. And that is the one coin loophole. And I gave it that name because there's this old teaching story, like your monkey and the banana story, yeah. teaching story, where it's like where a person says, does one coin make a man rich? And you would say, one coin doesn't make a man rich. But what if you give a man another coin? And what if you give him another coin? What if you give him another coin? At some point, you have to say that a man is rich because one coin made him rich. And the thing about a habit is you, can, you can, that's called the, 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 it's the, growing, the story of the growing heap. So do you look at the one coin or do you look at the growing heap? And the thing about a habit is you can always say to yourself, What's one cupcake? Right. What's one trip to the gym? Why should I bother to wear my helmet today? Right. Because the chances that I get in a life-threatening accident today are tiny. Right. And it's true. Like, it doesn't, one brownie doesn't matter. One trip to the gym doesn't matter. One afternoon spent working on your novel doesn't matter. Right. But put them all together and suddenly there's a tipping point and it matters. Well, and that's the only way you get there. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way. And every every single day this loophole will work and then nothing ever happens. Yeah. Yeah. And what I find is that it's very easy to switch back and forth in your mind um, about like, oh, you, you know, like, um, I, I find this with parenting things. Like, it's really important to me to put my children to bed, but tonight it doesn't matter. Right. You know, and you're like, well, tonight, tonight, tonight. This is where the strategy of monitoring can come in handy, because mm. you're like, well, how much are you actually doing something? Because sometimes we fantasize that we're doing something because it's important to us, but we aren't actually yeah, doing yeah. it.
3: <laughs> yeah. We should task our listeners with figuring out like which loophole most applies to them.
1: Yeah, no, because I think people do have their favorites. Yeah. So my favorites are is false choice and tomorrow. And your favorites are this doesn't count. And... Yeah,
3: and um, probably planning to fail was a big one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Okay, so people let us know which are your papers. And if you have any crazy examples of people using them, I mean, it, it's funny um, how how just how ingenious. We're like <laughs> these amazing lawyers for ourselves, uh, like in the court of life arguing for ourselves. Okay, Gretch, it's time for a listener question, and
3: you know what? I'm going to have you read it because my voice is just going crazy. I don't know if it's the dryness in the hotel room or if it's like the spring weather we're having, but everyone excuse my like croaking voice. I'm <laughs> drinking some hot tea now to try to fix this.
1: It. Maybe it's the shift from LA to New York. There's some kind of like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pollution difference that's affecting your vocal cords. Uh, okay, so something this-, <laughs> <happened>. <laughs> this question is from Jordan. Um, And Jordan is also a screenwriter, Uh, so she's a a Hollywood type like you, Elizabeth. And she said, "Um, nothing makes me work harder than a deadline. I'm a total obliger. And I started this writing group where every person has to submit 10 pages every Sunday night. So you'll have 10 pages the first week, 20 the second week, 30 the third, etc. Ideally, you'll have an entire feature screenplay that's 90 to 120 pages between weeks 9 and 12. Or have a few TV pilots under your belt. We take turns in rotation, reading reading each other's scripts and offering notes. You read one script a week, and someone reads your script every week, and notes are due on Wednesday nights. At first, the group started off strong, but as the weeks went by, less people submitted on time. People submit on Mondays, then Tuesdays, until one week they stop submitting altogether. Not having one committed person creates a domino effect, and other people start falling off the wagon as well. When one of us isn't accountable, the whole group lacks accountability. I thought 10 pages a week was a realistic but fun goal to reach. Is 10 pages a week asking too much? Last year we had five writers in the group and it fizzled out around week five. This year the group has four people with two new writers. It's week seven now and it looks like the group is fizzling out again. So she's she's got an accountability group but it's not working well.
3: Yeah. And I think this does happen a lot. Yeah. I mean, um, you were saying one thing is one person really has to be hammering the group yeah. to be on time. Like if she was designated as a person who on Monday says, hey, where are your pages? Yeah. You know, we need them tonight. Maybe that would help.
1: Well, so I think there's a bunch of things here. First of all, I would say she's smart to have a group instead of having an accountability partner for exactly this reason. Because if, if your accountability partner lose like drifts off, then you're then you're stuck. And she's got a group, and that's good. Um, but I, so I think that a couple things are happening here. One is I think she's not ask, asking people to just write ten pages. She's asking them to write ten pages, read someone else's work, right. comment on their work confront them with their comments, and also accept the comments of other people. That, to me, is a lot. That's like a workshop. Um, and I think that an accountability group works better when it's literally just, have you written your 10 pages?
3: Right, except for, I mean, I will say, having been in a writing group, yeah. you want other people's feedback. That's the whole point.
1: Well, but it's not working. Right. The thing is, maybe they're trying to do all things every week. Yes, so I think if, but it sounds like her main goal here is to get things done. Like, right, r- right. I want to get a screenplay right. done. I want to get some right. pilots written. I want to get something done. And I think that it, because, because because there's all kinds of roadblocks that arise. And one person might be like, I don't feel comfortable criticizing other people's work. And another person could be like, I, it, it makes me crazy to have people read my work. And so I'm, I'm worried about, that it's not good enough. And so I don't want to submit it. And so then you get into all that. Whereas if the group is like, we're going to bang this stuff out. If you want to write 10 pages of just you know terrible stuff fine this is just about getting 10 pages written because i mean i would say as a writer i don't know if you agree with me a lot of it's just getting anything done yeah i would also say sarah and i tell this people this all the time um you know
3: we're always sort of giving advice to younger writers <laughs> that make sure your writing group has people with the same level of ambition yeah. as you. Right. Because there are some people who just want to write for fun and yes. that's fine and it doesn't matter if they write their 10 pages. Um, but there are other people, if you're really ambitious, it really does matter. Yes. So it sounds like Jordan is really ambitious yes. and maybe it's the people in the group. right? And she needs to find people who are as serious as she is. Like we always say treat trying to make it in Hollywood like being in law school. Right. You know, with that sort of level of you know, boring intensity. Right. It's not just like going
1: to the coffee shop right and having fun with it. So so one thing is do you want to limit the the accountability of the group to the sheer writing of 10 pages and so that there's no aspect right. of of evaluation and comment. Um and another one is: Do you want to choose a group that is of similar ambition? Because you're right, three people who are deeply committed is better than seven people who are sort of are, are not that committed. Because, and this your point exactly shows this, is that when one person fails in accountability, it can really have a, a, like a negative contagion. And so, and I think you want to explain to the group going in. Because one of the things that obligers feel accountable to is their duty as a role model and, you know, their duty to other people. And so if you say, if you don't do it, you will create a situation where other people are going to feel like they don't have to do it. And that's going to hurt everyone. Right. And so you're obligated in the group. It's not only for yourself. It's not only about you getting your own 10 pages written. But if you don't write your 10 pages, then others might not get their 10 pages. Because I talked to a woman who, she, had a, she was trying to write her PhD thesis. And she said she didn't feel accountable to her professor because she knew even though her professor was disappointed with her, it didn't matter to his career whether or not she finished her PhD. Oh, wow. But she found somebody who was exactly like her and they both agreed. We're going to do this together. And she's like, if I don't do my work on my thesis, then this other person is going to feel like she doesn't have to do her work on her thesis. And that's really going to hurt her because she really needs to write her PhD thesis.
3: I mean, this reminds me way back when I was, um, you know, just graduated college and I used to write outlines for uh, Sweet Valley High. (laughs) I love Um, that. I love that. Uh, If anyone remembers Sweet Valley High. But anyway, I worked with somebody, and you know her. um, And she I was very into deadlines. I mean, you know, yeah, like you very rigid about deadlines, but she was absolutely not like she'd be like, oh, we can hand it in next week, next month. I mean, and she was also in charge of me. So, oh. you know, I was like, okay, whatever she said goes. Oh. But what happened is I just took that attitude toward all of my writing. So then I was like writing adult books and I would be handing oh. them in like weeks, months late I think I may have even mentioned this on the podcast that it got to the point where they had a thing in my contract that I had to give them a hundred dollars for every day I was Ooh, late. Oh
1: no! I never knew that. Yeah, that's so, an amazing accountability device. Yeah, oh, so great.
3: very effective. <laughs> so anyway, it's just funny because it does—it's—it it, does spread.
1: It's like spreads. You said I've—I've I've
3: experienced
1: that. Yeah, it, well, you know, and kind of along those lines, another thing that you could do when people are entering the group is you could say. Well, this group is only can, can only have so many members. If you take a spot, then others can't join ah. the group. And maybe for somebody else, it would be really important. So if you can't, you're taking up a spot, a valuable spot. Right. And so you need to kind of earn that spot. And I think, again, that would you'd feel like, well, I'm accountable because if I'm not making good use of it, it's like I'm wasting an opportunity that somebody else could have used, which also is something that obligers often respond to is this idea that, I don't want to suck up something yeah. that another person could do. And, and and you said, like, maybe you need to have the accountability bully. Like somebody who's like, okay, right. every week I'm going to... And if it's just 10 pages, then it's easy to see. Has this person submitted 10 pages? And just say, I'm going to send out an email every Friday and say, these people have submitted their right. 10 pages. Or whatever. I forget what the day was, she said um so that it's like you have this feeling of like they do this at our school because we have to do safety patrol ah. and they do they send an email saying the following families did not participate in safety patrol I oh. like, Ooh, that's bold wow. yeah yeah but so so there's a lot of things so anyway i hope that's h- helpful to jordan um this is an issue that's very close to both of our hearts yes. because for all writers yes words on paper yes hard to achieve hard to achieve but without <laughs> that <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> So good luck, Jordan. Um, let us know if any of this was helpful. We know it's very tough to write. Um, and uh, oh, and also I should mention, if anybody wants to start an, uh, an accountability group like this, there's a starter kit on my site. If you go to GretchenRubin.com under the resources, there's a, a, a kind of a kit that tells you what you might think about if you're starting a group for people who are trying to hold each other accountable because it it's it really can work. Um, And and Jordan points up some of the pitfalls that can arise, but it it really can be a very, very helpful strategy for a lot of different habits. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. I now work with a team and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business.
0: LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
3: Time for demerits and gold stars. Gretchen, you're up with a happiness demerit.
1: Yes, Elizabeth. Um, but this is a, this is a demerit that I narrowly avoided, um, cool. and it's kind of um, uh, related to what we talked about in the anniversary episode. How you said that um, thinking about demerits and gold stars had helped you avoid demerit situations because you could sort of see them looming on the horizon, um, and that absolutely happened to me recently. Um, so one of my favorite uh, happiness resolutions is to celebrate minor holidays. And four years ago, when it was leap year, we uh, I planned this outing after school, and so I took Eliza and Eleanor. First, I took the, which I consider kind of like opposite day. So I took Eliza and Eleanor after school to Ripley's Believe It or Not, and we like walked through Ripley's Believe It or Not, and then I took them to Dylan's Candy Bar, which you know what I'm like about yeah. yeah. So the idea that I would take you to like the the epicenter of, you know, candy um, is very like opposite of what I would normally do and got them both a bag of candy. And we, you know, it's so fun to pick it out. And so it was sort of like this cool thing to mark leap day. And this year leap day kind of snuck up on me and, you know, Eliza's a junior. So it's like, she has no free time. And, um, and I had been traveling the weekend before cause it fell on a Monday. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, I'm just going to let, I'm going to let it go. I mean, what, you know, leap day, what, right. what's the big deal? And
3: you were invoking some sort of loophole. Yes.
1: There. Yep. One of many, yeah. Um, this doesn't count, uh, you know, and also sort of like false choice. Like I'm so, I should be, I'm so busy working. I don't have time right. to spend, you know, my favorite loophole. And then I thought, and then I began to think about demerits. And I was like, this is something that I will give myself a demerit for because it's once every four years. So it's kind of a super cool, special holiday. And I remember so clearly what we did last time. You know what I mean? It really is one of those things where if you mark time in an unusual way, it sticks out at you. Because probably I don't remember any afternoon after school for like the entire year, but that day I remember. And we have pictures and it was silly and But I had to be realistic too, because the thing about all this stuff is you have to be realistic. And so I decided what we would do, and Jamie was also out of town, so it just felt burdensome. that I would just again do something opposite which was that I would take them out for a fancy dessert. Uh-huh. So they'd both eaten dinner and they'd done their homework and stuff like that, and then at like nine fifteen. And also, I'm a, like a zealot about people yeah. going to bed on time. So everything about this. So we all like had on an outfit, and we went to this little Italian restaurant near our house, and um, and they got you know super fabulous Italian desserts, and we sent a picture to Jamie because he's traveling and. It wasn't epic, but it was something, and I was like, I narrowly avoided that demerit because I would really have regretted it if I had let Leap Day go unmarked. So you didn't let
3: the perfect be the enemy of the good. There
1: you go. Yes, indeed. Yes, exactly. Good for you, Gretsch. Yes, narrowly demerit avoided. Avoided. So it's actually a gold star that I gave myself oh, yeah. secretly. <laughs> um, and you give yourself uh, overtly a gold star. What is your gold star?
3: Well, my gold star is for technology, which Ooh. will surprise people because, you know, I am not good with technology and I uh, I don't ever want to deal with anything. We're still got the whole photo <laughs> saving thing, you know, problem. But um, I got an iPad Pro Ooh. and it's basically what it is. It's a big iPad and you can attach a keyboard to it. So it's kind of like having a laptop. You can ah. put final draft on it. You can put word on it. The reason I, Sarah got one, my writing partner, she's been trying to get me to get one for weeks. And I'm just like, I'm not interested. I don't even use my iPad that I have. I don't want an iPad Pro, etc. But because we're doing this pilot and there's a lot um, I need to do, like watch casting and look at location photos and all these things.
1: Oh, it's so glamorous. Uh, the job yeah, is so it's, glamorous. It's not,
3: but it, sometimes it is. But anyway, I realized, like, okay, this iPad Pro is going to make my life a lot easier. So I ordered one, got it. It even has, like, a, uh, like, a like an electronic pencil that you can write on the screen. Oh, my god! So you can read a script and take notes, or you can, you know, write a note to yourself. I mean, it, it's really pretty great. So Sarah and I have our matching iPad Pros, as does <laughs> Helen, the woman who wrote the script. So we have three iPad Pros, like, all set up, typing on them. Um, and it's, you know, it's amazing. So if anyone out there wants an alternative to a laptop, I do suggest this. And I didn't even bring my laptop to New York. I just brought this iPad Pro, which was much easier in the airport. That's bold. So now the only problem is I'm in search of the perfect tote bag because it is a bit heavy and so I want like a nice light canvas tote bag mm. to carry it around in mm-hmm. so I am in search of the perfect the perfect tote bag
1: you know and this reminds me of sort of one of my favorite secrets of adulthood which is that good tools make work a joy Mm. and it really is i think i'm an underbuyer and i also i hate adapt like when you have new technology then you have to deal with it which is always horrible but it is true that when you have the right tools work is so much more pleasurable and here it, it sounds like it would really actually have been a problem if everybody had been sort of at a certain level and you were not at that level, it would have been a pain.
3: Yeah, and it's, it, it was just, it would have been having to like haul out my laptop every single time we needed to do yeah. something would have been a huge pain. So yeah. yeah. Um, so Gold Star this week, to the iPad Pro.
1: Elizabeth, I really think that you are the one who should have the gold star because knowing you the way I do, I know that you do not like to conquer new technology. It's You are not the person who would be resist. have to resist the urge to go out and buy the new thing. You have to force yourself. Yeah. Well, it should really probably go to Sarah
3: because she uh-huh. forced me to get it. Um, so
1: we'll give it to Sarah. And that's it for this episode of Happier. So remember, try this at home. Schedule time to worry. And if you do schedule time to worry, let us know if it worked for you. Thanks to our producer, Henry
3: Malofsky, who I actually got to see today, which <laughs> was fun. And also thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Uh, get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin and I'm at Elizabeth Kraft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com.
1: If you'd like to get my free newsletter where I post highlights from this podcast, my blog and so on text me at 66866 and in the message box type happier. You'll get a text back that asks for your email address. And if you put that in, you'll be signed up again that's 66866. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward.